Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 32. Mark 13 and verse 32. You may be familiar with this passage, but let's look at it together. But concerning the day, that day or that hour, no one knows. This is talking about the rapture of the church. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Listen, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And I just want to push pause right there just for a second and just remind you that to be, listen, if somebody comes on the television, if you're talking with somebody and they think they have the coming of the Lord nailed down to a date, I want to remind you this scripture, the only one knows the return of the Lord, that day that's going to happen is our Father in heaven. The Son doesn't know, the angels in heaven doesn't know, no one knows the day or the hour. However, we can know the season. Jesus, matter of fact, said that. We can know the season that we're in. And I'm going to tell you, as even what I preached about last week, and by the way, I just want to thank so many of you. Last week was a difficult sermon for me to preach, but you guys were very encouraging, and so many of you reached out and were ministered to by that. And I thank you for reaching out and telling me that. I need that sometimes. And but listen, we know that we're in the last days. It, I don't think things necessarily are just going to get a whole lot easier. I think the, the spirit of the Antichrist, not the actual Antichrist, I believe that the Antichrist is alive today. If you believe the coming of the Lord is imminent, which I do, the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church, can be at any moment, then we have to know and believe and understand the Antichrist is alive today but there's also that antichrist spirit that's at work in the world today that is just seems to to persecute the church to be against the church it's that resistance that we feel it's not going to get easier and we can see that in the seasons but listen we don't know the day or the hour it goes on to say in verse 33 be on guard keep awake for you do not know when the time will come. Now that doesn't really, that doesn't mean literally that you've got to be awake 24-7. It's talking about your spirit man being alive and ready and that we have, we've trained our spirit man to listen for that shout and that voice. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. For you do not know the, when the time will come. Listen, verse 24, it is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands a doorkeeper to stay awake, verse 35, therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, verse 36, least he come suddenly and find you asleep, and what I say to you all, stay awake. And we really should, during this time, more than ever, and increasing, so live by these words. Stay awake. Wake up that spirit man inside of you. There should be a longing inside of us. 
waiting and looking and wanting to hear the trump of God blow, the shout of the angel, that call of the Lord. When I was talking about this, of course, the title of the sermon is soon and very soon. That's the very song that I thought of. And I know many of you are familiar with that, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. It says it again, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. And now the words go on to say uh, things like, no more crying there. And you, we were, in that song, I repeat that, no more crying there. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. It says, no more dying there. Hallelujah. We are going to see the king. A second verse I want to draw your attention to is Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. And it says, waiting for our blessed hope. And that's really important. I know even some of you, you're going, you're doing the school of ministry in Lubbock and uh, you're, you're uh, going for your credentials, and that's one of our 16 fundamentals, a part of our fellowship is the blessed hope, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a blessed hope. I, years ago, I read an illustration that co- goes along with this, and um, I've never really researched to see if it was like historical fact, but I think it's real fitting right here, and I just want to share that. While, while on a South Pole expedition, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left a few men on Elephant Island, promising that he would return. Later, when he tried to go back, huge icebergs blocked the way, but suddenly, as if by a miracle, an avenue opened, in the ice, and Shackleton was able to get through. His men, ready, waiting, quickly scrambled aboard. No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, the explorer said to the men, It was fortunate. You were all packed and ready to go. They replied, We never gave up hope. We never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other, the boss may come today. And that's kind of what I want to happen today is this for us to remind each other, the master may come today. Be ready. Be ready. If I announce this morning, um, I know sometimes, I know you guys, I've done illustrations and of, uh, of money, and I did one just a couple of weeks ago with... Uh, some of the guys of you know giving them a twenty dollar bill that using you know as an illustration of Jesus has given us authority, and uh, some of you may remember that. But listen, if I were to give every every person in our church, every person in the room sitting right now, whether you're in the early service or late service, every one would get a thousand dollars at the end of service if you were alert, you were active worshipers, you engaged. Maybe amen a little bit. Maybe you can amen the screen right now. Maybe Give, I can hear an amen. But you're active. You're engaged. You're, um, you, you know, you, the, the, if you knew that you were going to get $1,000 at the end of this service, it, it would probably impact your, you know, your attention level. Maybe, you know, you wouldn't talk quite so much to 
your neighbor students. <clears throat> wink, wink. Um, the atmosphere was suddenly become charged with worshiping and, and engaging, and no one would want to miss out on that $1,000 by following asleep, being disqualified. Anticipation would build up in the church as we got closer to the end of service. And that is the same way that in our hearts and our spirit should be about the coming of the Lord. I, two things would happen if that were the case, if I were to give everyone $1,000. Listen, and listen to the way that I say this. It's also going to be on the screen. The anticipated reward would create a desire to do the right things. The anticipated reward, listen, you hear am I saying this? The anticipated reward would create a desire to do the right things during the service in order to qualify. The second thing would be this, that would create an anticipation for the reward at the end of service with great joy. I know it sounds kind of even uh, far-fetched a little bit, especially maybe to new believers or somebody that hadn't been in church very long. I mean, well, we're talking about the, rap, the catching up, the taking away of the church. I mean, it almost sounds a little bit um, sci-fi, but I'm going to kind of go really hammer in Scripture to show you what the Bible says. One of those verses, we're going to look at a couple of times, but right now, John 14, 3, and if I go prepare a place for you, what does it say? I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also. But there's some key words there. I will come again, and I will take you to myself. I will come again, and I will take you to myself. I'm talking about the rapture of the church. What is the rapture? I mean, what, and probably what a lot of people do, they find right away that rapture is not in the concordances or the glossaries of our Bibles. And so where do we come up with that term, rapture? Why don't we talk about rapture? Rapture comes from the Latin raptus, meaning to seize or, the, or to transport. And where we take that from is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. And the voice of an archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. Everyone say caught up. Come on, I know I'm not actually here in person. Everyone say caught up. Those are the key words. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so we'll always be with the Lord. That verse is talking about the catching up, the being caught up, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, to be caught up to meet Christ in the air. The Greek word caught up um, is actually to mean remove, seize, or take away. And so in the English, caught up, the Latin rapture, and this, in the Greek word meaning removal, when we look at this text, all three are good descriptions of what's going to happen at the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17. And listen, I just want to remind you, 
I fully understand, and maybe you've heard the terminology, you know, too heavenly minded to be too earthly good. I know right now that we're here. Matter of fact, I talked to you last week about Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 about us being the salt of the earth. And salt does two things. It preserves, uh, it gives flavor, uh, but it, it protects against rot. We, the church, we as believers are part of the, uh, the Holy Spirit uses us to push back the decay of our culture and the world. And he can use us to do that as we are the light of the world. And so in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, command. Listen, I, whether uh, these things that happen are, is one sound or it's all happening at one time or there's a sequence of events, we really don't know. But here's what we do know. I mean, the scripture is clear and, and its translation right here is that there will be a shout. I mean, there's going to be a trumpet. There's going to be a call. And matter of fact, I really like how the ESV says those words. It doesn't say just shout, but it says word of command. Just like a military officer would give his, his, his soldiers. And so five things you need to know. Five things I want you to know this morning is that one is this, Christ will return visibly with a loud command. I cannot tell you exactly what that's going to look like. We really don't know. We can dream, we can imagine, but listen, at the rapture of the church, as far as those that are the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us that remain will be caught up in the air, Christ is going to be visible to us. That's going to be the, the, the first moment, the, the first reunion that we have longed for. Number two is this. So one is that Christ will return visibly. Number two, there will be an unmistakable cry from an angel. I, again, we don't know exactly what that's going to be, what that's going to sound like, but I'm going to tell you something your spirit's going to know. I mean, it's just like when you was a little kid, and uh, man, you know, there may have been a lot of parents yelling, but you always knew when your parents yelled at you. When they called out your name, it got your attention. And that's the same way. I mean, when that, when that angel shouts and that angel gives that command, I'm going to tell you, your spirit man is going to know. And uh, number three is this. There will be a trumpet fanfare such as never been heard. Um, I, again, we don't know exactly what it's going to sound like. I tend to believe it's going to sound like a choir of, of shofar, ram's horns, trumpets, because they have a significant meaning in the Old Testament, and it, it's one of the oldest musical instruments that we have, uh, especially in our faith. And, uh, our, you know, whether, I mean, it, the Lord can do it however He wants to. I mean, it can be, it can be brass, you know, uh, trumpets or whatever, but uh, I know that there's going to be, I don't think it's just going to be one blast of a horn. It might be, but it's going to be something, and even as I'm talking about this, even right, I know I'm, I'm in the sanctuary alone, but it really gives me goosebumps thinking, longing, that shout, that command, 
that trumpet blowing. Number four is this, believers in Christ who are dead will rise from their graves. And this has happened before. This happened at the crucifixion. When Jesus was on the cross and he died, the Bible talks about the graves opening up and, and dead be people coming out of the graves and walking. I mean, even that kind of blows my mind. I mean, I mean could you imagine of what that would have been like? But this is a going to kind of goes along with that but we know the dead in Christ will rise first listen I I do believe it's kind of going to be a simultaneous event of the dead in Christ and the believers that are alive and remain it's going to kind of happen matter of fact the Bible tells us the twinkling of an eye that it's going to happen in an instant but what we do know is those that gone before us they're going to rise first um, and uh, then number five the believers who are alive will be caught up in the clouds to meet Christ. And as I was kind of putting this together, I thought, you know, I, you know, back in the day, I don't know that I could do it anymore, but I was, used to be a part of a church that had a shofar, and we would blow it, and um, if I would have thought in advance, I would have had one here, and, you know, uh, you know, at least so people could see. But, I mean, I really, matter of fact, right now, I... I wish I'd have kind of done this clip a little different now, looking ahead of what's happening right now, but you're going to see the graphic on the screen, but you're going to, I want to, I don't know what, what we practice, or, I, but I want you to close your eyes right now, just across the room, if you're online, you're watching, just close your eyes, I want you to think of what that moment's going to be, I don't know whether we're all individually going to hear our name, or what that command or shout's going to be, but what we do know is that we're going to hear a trumpet. Let's imagine what that will be like right now. Listen, I, I don't know how long, I don't know if it's going to be one blast, I don't know how long that's going to last, but man, I mean, even just this moment right now, hearing that sound, it should waken a longing on the inside of you to realize that our time here, our, our lifetime here is, is so, uh, the Bible says it's a, it's a, it's a vanishing mist, it's so short our we need to have a longing for the return of the lord so a few things i just want to kind of move on to and uh maybe encourage you with and i i do kind of want to say right here i've been really praying i the, these next couple of weeks few weeks i've i've really want to preach something just encouraging to you just that will you know just ah that just well, kind of make you feel good, I guess. And um, and I really, I feel the Lord gave me a word that, you know, if everything turns out okay, next week I'm going to uh, preach. And um, but as I was thinking about this, uh, about the rapture of the church, 
Number one is this. It's in your notes. You can fill in the blanks. It is a certain hope that we have. It is a certain hope. It is a certain hope. It is, it is a, it's a, a secure hope. It's a, I mean, you can bank on it hope. You, you know what I mean? I, it's called the blessed hope for a reason. I want to read this, a few verses. We already read one, John 4, uh, 14, 3, but I want to read again. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that you may be where I am also. Acts 1.11. Acts 1.11 is where, I mean, this is Jesus' ascension. This is where, matter of fact, he's already ascended. You know, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave on the third day through the power of the Holy Spirit and the command of God. And, and then he walked the earth for a little while. And this is his departure. This is when he's taken up in the clouds. And look what it says here. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was, taking, who was taken up from you into heaven will come again the same way you saw him go into heaven. That's talking about the rapture of the church. Revelation 22.7. Matter of fact, we're going to read Revelations 22, 7, and then verse 12 in Revelations 22. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but I just want to point out something Jesus says twice in this chapter, in these two verses, and behold, I am coming soon. He says it in verse 7, then he says it again in verse 12, behold, I am coming soon. I'm going to tell you our hope is certain because our hope is in Jesus, we know that we can trust his word. We know that we can trust his promises. He said he was going to prepare a place. He said he's going to come back for us. He said he was going to return. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming again. And it is, it is something of certainty. Our hope is certain because our hope is is in Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 We have this a sure and steadfast anchor of hope. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I mean it is a certain hope. A second thing is this. Our hope is confident because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in nothing else. Nothing less but in Jesus, it is on him. What you guys know, I have really, I went through a season where I used this verse and talked about it all the time, and I haven't in a while, but I've been reminded of it again in my own heart. And our hope does not put us to shame. Shame is the opposite of confidence. Our hope is confident. Our, some translations say it this way, our hope will not be disappointed. That is a promise. That is a secure promise. You don't have to, I think sometimes we're resistant to give our all to the Lord. We're resistant to give our all to Jesus because we kind of want to, we want to protect our hearts a little bit because so many of us sitting in this room, have been hurt in many different ways. And so that makes us kind of resistant to give it all to God. But I want to tell you something. God will not break your heart. Your hope will not be disappointed. It is secure in Him. Number two is this. It's a comforting hope, right? That's where this is leading us. It's a comforting 
hope. Um, as I was, uh, something I've used for funerals many times is this quote here. I don't re- exactly recall who said it, but a man's life is 20 years of his mother asking him where he's going, 40 years of his wife asking him where he's been, and one hour at his funeral, everybody wondering where he's going. But listen to me. We know the rapture of the church, and if uh, the Lord's uh, return doesn't happen before we breathe our last breath and go by the grave, you need to know. I know I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, one day, if the, if the Lord doesn't return and I breathe my last breath and I go by the grave, you're going to read my obituary one day, and it's going to say this date where Todd Starnes had died. But just like D.L. Moody said, don't you dare believe it, because at that moment, I'm going to be more alive than what I've ever been. Listen, Thomas Edison, I was, I was kind of reading about some men, some great men, before they passed away on, on their deathbed. Thomas Edison was one of them. Of course, we know that he was a scientific genius, and he was a practical man, and, but uh, his wife talks about the night that Thomas Edison passed away. He was at death's door, and suddenly it was evident that he wanted to say something. He was trying to say something. And so um, the doctor was in the room, and so they bent down close to him. And Thomas Edison, this great scientist, with a smile on his face, he said this, it is very beautiful over there. That really got my attention. There was a deal, I just talked about this a moment, D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody. He was a great evangelist. And uh, when he was at that moment, at that time, and he caught a glimpse of the glory awaiting him, and awakening from a sleep, he said this, earth recedes, heaven opens before me. If this is death, listen to what he says, it is sweet There is no valley here. God is calling me. I must go. His son was standing beside him, and he said, No, no, Father, you're dreaming. And D.L. Moody said this, No, I'm not dreaming. I've been within the gates. I've seen the children's faces a short time later. And he passed away, and he breathed his last breath, saying this, This is my triumph. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. There's an old song we used to sing, there's going to be a meeting in the air and the sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet you, meet you over there and that home beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare, and God's own Son will be the leading one and the meeting in the air. Listen, when we read those words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, that told us about the shout, and it told us about the trumpets, and it told us about the archangel and the voice of God, and it told us that the dead in rice will rise first, and those of us that remain will be caught up in the air. And then that verse says something in verse 18. It says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another. It is a comforting hope to realize that whether we go and close our eyes and go six feet underground, or we hear that trumpet of God and are caught up in the rapture of the church, it should be a comfort to us 
what awaits for us. Listen, more than ever before in my life do I, I mean, you know, matter of fact, I was talking with another pastor today, and we're just kind of talking where we are in life, and, you know, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, we're, you know, we've gotten to the age we've gotten, I guess, and and I told him, I said, you know, I said, when I was in my 20s looking forward to how old I am now, it looked like forever. But when now the age I am, looking back to my 20s, it seems like yesterday. And I just know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, this, what we see here is just temporary. I mean, uh, the Bible talks about the span of a man's life, you know, uh, 70, 80 years and Listen, we're only here for a short while, but when we stand right with Jesus, when we stand right with God and that reconciled relationship with our Father, because we have decided to serve the Lord Jesus with all of our heart, so we've asked Him to wash our sins and we've dedicated our life to Him, we are going to be in eternity with Him. And those should be a comfort to us. It should be a comforting hope number three is this it's a cleansing hope it's a cleansing hope first john chapter three verses two and three beloved we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we'll be like him because we shall see him as he is and then it says this in verse 3 and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure it is a cleansing hope see i'm talking about that blessed hope that that comforting hope that that certain hope and it is also a cleansing hope listen what we believe what we believe about the rapture of the church, it should impact the way that we live. Because the Bible clearly tells us, remember, in our text, in Mark chapter 13, it says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son of God, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know the time he will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves his home and puts his servants in charge for his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Listen, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master will come. It could be in the evening, it could be at midnight, it could be when the rooster crows, the morning. But stay awake. Listen, it should impact the way that we live life. It should be a cleansing hope. There's a value that we've adopted here at OFA. You know, uh, found people, find people, right? We're, we're the best evangelists, really, uh, that somebody's ever going to experience. I mean, more people come to church, more people come to faith through a personal relationship than any other way. But another one is this, is that growing people change. Growing people change, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I say it with conviction, but I say it with love for you, 
that if your life has not changed from that moment when you accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're dealing the same struggles you were 20 years ago, listen to me, there needs to be maybe some surrender that comes into your life. I mean, there needs to be something that there should be a changing in us that happens when God comes in and radically saves us and forgives us and heals us and mends our heart. Growing as a believer, also, listen, it's a cleansing hope. And I, I want to speak to some of you right now because I know some have struggled in their faith. And, and, and then through the years, even here, but just even in my lifetime, I know many that have come in to the faith and then struggle and kind of disappear for a while. And there's some struggle there. Listen to me. Number one is this. If you haven't, come home. If you haven't, come home. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we get this thought process in our head that God's not going to accept us, that people are going to judge us. But I'm going to tell you, you won't be here. You won't be in this church. You'll be accepted and embraced with loving arms. You know why? Because we've all struggled at some point in time. And we know exactly what it feels like. And sometimes it's hard. It's difficult. I know to pull in that parking lot and to walk in through those doors because you're concerned how God's going to judge you or how the people in the church are going to judge you. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be judged. You're going to be loved. You're going to be embraced. You're going to be accepted. But the second part of this, you don't have... I, I, the beauty of the working of the Spirit is this, is that the Spirit of God is an eternal being. I mean, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's, it's like they, they've always been, they always are, and they always will be. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I mean, there's no time, I believe, in the Spirit. I, I don't, when I think about living eternity in heaven and, and the new heaven and new earth and all, I mean, it's so hard such a concept because we're such time-oriented people. But listen, when you've been away from God and you come back and you truly repent and, and you open up your heart back to that Holy Spirit, you, I believe you don't start back at square one. I think you kind of get fast-forwarded. God kind of speeds up the work in your heart. I, I don't know. If, I, I'm hoping that makes sense. That when you come back to God, it's not like you start back at kindergarten. But see, that's the power of restoration. Restoration is being restored of what was lost, and God brings restoration. And so, listen, growing believers, it's, it's, not, a, it's not necessarily about age, but as I move on, circumstances um, do not. Listen, so what's that mark? What do we, that, that maturity, that change, that growth? I mean, how do we know that's happening in our life? I, I think these things are very critical. Circumstances do not impact our life with Christ. Really a sign of, of uh, and I don't mean this to be in a negative connotation, but when we have immaturity in our faith, circumstance tends to dictate our life with Jesus. And we, as we grow in the Lord and as we mature, circumstances do not impact our relationship with God. We know that God's got it, and we serve Him no matter what. Um, discipline, we understand, makes us a disciple. That, that's what the root of disciple is, discipline, and it goes together. Uh, we don't live life. You remember, I had a memory pop up about a while back when I preached that we don't live 
compartmentalized life, but we live a chicken pot pie life, right? We don't live at all, you know, like here's my church life and here's my work life and here's my home life. No, a, a mature believer, we mix it all together. It's all brought into the same stew. Number four is this, and that's my last point this morning. It is a constraining hope. And that, this one's really important to me. It's a constraining hope. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, for they themselves report concerning us, I, I'm gonna, it's kind of really a sentence here I want to point out, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, this is Paul writing, and how you turn to God from idols, this is the kind of one I'll focus in on, and how you turn from God from idols, you turn to God from your past to serve the living true God. Listen to what he says, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. So right, that's where we are. We're waiting. I mean, we're not like waiting, like just doing nothing and waiting. We're being the salt of the earth. But in our spirit, we're kind of waiting with that expectation from the son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Listen, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. But look what it says. We turned to God from the idols. We turn to God from the past. It is a restraining hope. And I know I said this before, and I kind of wanted to reemphasize this, that what we believe about the rapture, what we believe about this, what the state of our life should be at the rapture, it should constrain us from the world around us. See, the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And, and as even I was thinking about this, I am thinking of a word, and that word I'm thinking of is holiness. Listen to me. Holiness is not a bad word. Holiness is not a bad word. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, they feel like they've gotten freedom. They, well, well, we'll get in that a, a second, but I, there's a quote from John Bevere, and John Bevere says this, if you want to justify and keep the flaws that hold you back, God will not force you to release them. Purification is a constant, ongoing, and often painful process, but know its yield, I welcome it. See, there's always that change, there's always that growth in us, but the, and there's that constraint. Listen, so, the, so holiness is not a bad word, and holiness is not legalism. Holiness is not legalism. And that's the connection that we usually make. I mean, I know some of us grew up in an, a, a church age that it seemed like church was very legalistic, and so we're really resistant to sometimes words you know, that have those connotations to us, and holiness is one of them. I mean, I could tell you some stories, and I'm sure there's plenty here that could, about the, the negative side of thoughts and ideas and philosophies about holiness. But listen to me. God wants to work holiness in our life because holiness, it means, and I mean, we could do a whole sermon, sermon series on holiness, but the foundation of what holiness means is to be whole. Yeah, it, it is something that is pure. It's something that is without spot or blemish. But I'm going to tell you, 
I mean, what the foundation of the word holiness is, is to be whole. W-H-O-L-E, whole, to be complete. And the only one that can do that for us is Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.